Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Christian Hunters of America podcast. This is Chet Gray. We have a special guest. He is David Stover from Fit Point Bird Dogs. Uh, Fit in the Fit Point Bird Dog stands for Faith in the. That relates to his journey with Christ, his journey in the military, and his journey in hunting and training dogs. The FIT, Faith in the, relates to everything in life. Having faith in, um, in the Lord and putting your faith in him lets the doors open, um, whether that be in military, whether that be in training, whether that be opening other people's hearts and minds into uh, God's grace. He created this company, and he's been a lifelong hunter and training dogs for a long time. His specialty is German shorthairs for upland game birds, but he is uh, active in Indiana training and running trials and hunting. Um, We're going to have David on the phone, and he's going to speak to us a little bit about everything. He's an active duty military, like I said. He is on his tail end of his career in the Army, and he just created this company, um, he's going to share the ups and downs of leaving the military and creating a new company and um, having that kind of scariness of leaving what you know and putting on the uniform and allowing his faith in God to guide him. And we hope you enjoy this episode with David Stover from Fit Point Bird Dogs. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Christian Hunters of America podcast. We have a special guest uh, in store today. We are talking to David Stover from Fit Point Bird Dogs out of Indiana. As always, Mike is here. How are you, Mikey? We are doing good. Hello, everybody. Hope you're all doing fantastic getting through this uh, summertime with fall in the air, hopefully here soon. We hope it cools off because here in Phoenix, uh, we try to do our best of getting out of town and going up north for a couple-hour drive where it's about 20 degrees cooler because we're about done with the 105, 110 degrees, but without further ado, we have David on the line. How are you, sir? Uh, Doing well. How are you, gentlemen? We are doing better than we deserve. Um, David, we know about you, and we've been following you on Instagram, on social media. We've never uh, personally met, but we've been communicating for quite some time, and I guess kind of met just because we both have a faith-based background as far as our outdoor adventures christian hunters of america have obviously been a ministry and we're all tied to being in the outdoors and bringing people closer to god through the outdoors and through hunting and through any outdoor activities but if you could introduce yourself a little bit and kind of share with our audience how you started the fit point bird dogs yes sir so um i am on the back end of an active duty military career um been in the army uh, we just passed 22 years. Um, got it. Gonna give about another year and a half to go. And as we start getting towards the end of that, um, wife and I sat down and decided to go ahead and make a dream come a, become a reality and start this business. And you know, it's something that we enjoy doing, being outdoors, hunting, working with with dogs, and, and so forth. Um, but really, just wanted to try to find a way to to you know, exemplify the ways that we've been blessed because through my career, through both of our lives, um, we've been incredibly blessed. We wanted to be able to share that. And, you know, through our business, yeah, you have to make a living, but at the same time, um, you know, not all everything that you, you know, not all happiness is is financially related. And, you know, we truly believe the Lord's going to provide what, what we need um, and just kind of try to rely on him as much as we can. So, you know, started the business and, 
you know, realize that, hey, you know, we're going to turn away a certain level, um, you know, a certain population of people just because we are faith based and what our message is and what our values are um, and our unwillingness to waver from that. But, you know, we decided, hey, that was OK, because that's, you know, there's still a huge need out there um and where you know when it comes to working with pups or being in the field there, there's not many places in this world that i feel closer to the lord when i, I look around and his blessings are all around me and just the his beautiful the creation that surrounds you yeah it, it truly is and you know so we started this thing up and you know it's kind of grown faster than we ever could have imagined but um you know, like I said, it is truly a blessing, especially as we get to kind of travel around, take the dogs to hunt tests and field trials and stuff um, and, you know, meet people. And, you know, as we try to keep a good presence on, on social media and so forth um, to, you know, be able to spread that word around. And, yeah, there's some, you know, cute videos and this kind of stuff out there as well. But just to kind of highlight what we do and, and just again, yeah, the, the videos may be funny or, you know, showing us working and training. But for us, every time I'm sitting there doing, creating these things or putting these photos together with Adam, <laughs> sitting there in amazement most of the time, it just, again, the, the way that the Lord worked to, to put all together for us. Amen to that. Uh, one, first and foremost, thank you for your service. I know you've been in the, on the tail end of your military career, but thank you very much for your service. Uh, anyone that does a four-year commitment or is a lifer and retires, um, this country's in debt to all of our veterans and our active duty service members. So thank you from the bottom of our heart. Absolutely. I really, sure. really appreciate it. Nope, it's true. I think that's the part that uh, you know, we cherish and, and we respect because truly if it wasn't for individuals like yourself, you know, we wouldn't have the country and these opportunities to talk hunting or talk God or or take our dogs out and enjoy, you know, the, the amazing opportunities that we have. I think sometimes we... We watch social media or the news or whatever, and we think, you know, how bad it is. But when we look at the, the reality is, man, we are truly blessed to be part of this country because of the service of individuals like you. So we sure appreciate you, and thank you. Yes, sir. So you're on that tail end of your Army career. You you talk it over with your wife. You guys decide to create the business, and you guys are predominantly geared towards GSPs, the German short hair pointers. Uh, do you train any other dogs? like Britney's uh, or, or anything like that? Yeah, from time to time we do, just kind of depending on what, um, what comes through. Around here in Indiana, we, we've got a pretty good big short hair population. Not too long ago, I worked with some Beasleys, um, had a little small Munsterlander Munster in here for a little bit, worked with Poodle Pointers. You know, we're kind of open to, to working with anything. I've got a setter scheduled for later in the year to come in for a month or so. But it's, you know, our... our thing is the short hairs we won't turn them away but but we just love the the short hairs that personality and just kind of you know they're all the same but they're all completely different little animals so it's a lot of fun well, it kind of ties in like we were having a conversation off air on how co-workers or people in the military or friends or you know everybody's on a different journey in life and everybody's on a different spiritual journey and uh depending on your background depending on how you're raised or depending on a whole lot of factors, makes you a different person. Um, you could all be military, but you come from so many different backgrounds, and that's a perfect analogy of, okay, you got a whole bunch of German short hairs, and you have a whole bunch of military uh, army. You, everybody's been through basic. Everybody's been through infantry school, and all the bird dogs, all the GSPs have been through 
a, a set number of trials, but yet all those characteristics and all their personalities still come through. Can can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yes. So, you, you know, you're exactly right. When, it, when I was at, spent a good bit of time um, in the drill sergeant world in the Army, and, you know, you, you learn quickly, especially in that when you've got a, you know, a company of 240 soldiers and brand new to the Army, and they, they don't have that set of morals and values that we're trying to to get them to buy into and, and ultimately become who they are in their professional uh, and personal lives. Each one is different. So the leadership style has to, to change at certain times. Sometimes, yeah, the, the shotgun blast, it, it has to be that way at certain points. But, you know, when you get down to the individual level, it's, you know, what works for one won't work for the other. And I had a a soldier come up to me one time and ask me if I could yell at him a little more because it it really motivated him and made him try harder. (laughs) Robert, I don't have the voice (laughs) to yell at you any more than I already do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, the stories come out of that, but but it it was really eye-opening. And then you transition over into the the world of, of dogs that each one of them are different. You know, we've we've kept pups out of the same litter. Um, this last one, we personally kept a male, a female, and then I kept a male for a, a family, got it trained. They wanted it ready to hunt before they came and picked it up. And, you know, so two males and a female, and they were each at a different place in the training. And one day, you know, one week, one would be a lot further ahead. And then the next, another one, which didn't seem to get something or concept would, would jump ahead and, and grasp onto it. And it was a, you know, I knew I could use a, a launcher with one. I knew that, you know, I could, you know, raise my voice with another. But the other one, if I looked at it sideways, it would, you know, kind of cower down. And so I had to build some, you know, different approach, build the confidence up in that one to get her to come along. And, you know, it's just that constant kind of looking and seeing it. Hey, everybody's different. We all respond to the, the pressures and the, the world around us differently and trying to find that that one thing that's going to work. And I think that that when it comes to, you know, ministry and the, the Lord out there, we're all at different places in our in our spiritual life, right? In our walk with the Lord, you've got some that have believed and, you know, trusted Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior for, you know, their whole life. And you've got some that have just accepted him yesterday or an hour ago, right? But so they need different things, but they need the same thing. They still need the Lord. They still need that care, that compassion. And, you know, there's, you know, umpteen million, you know, programs, podcasts, books, you know, churches out there teaching things and, and approaching this ministry, trying to get the words Lord out and teaching out in different ways. And so we kind of look at it as, you know, as I try to focus in on the, the hunting community, um, you know, that, Hey, you know, not the way, but, um, you know, what we're putting out is not, you know, the only way, but Hey, it's, if I can put something out in a way that helps somebody grasp a concept or, or understand just how amazing the Lord is, then Hey, that's, you know, that's good. Yeah. And if it's just one person from a post that took me an hour to write that that's, <clears throat> you know, it's an hour well spent. And that's kind of how we look at it. Um, you know, so few years ago, actually, even before the dog bird, or dog birds, bird dog um, business started, um, I've been fighting it for years. And, um, you know, and you fight with the Lord and run from him, and you're not going to get very far. And, you know, I had this feeling that he was calling me to, to serve 
hire to do more. And, you know, you look at look at my life and look at myself as a young soldier, as a young man. And like, no, there's no way he could want me to preach and witness and serve him in that capacity. And so I sought a lot of, of counsel and mentorship from, you know, pastors that, that I've known for a long time and, and family members that have, you know, been been with me along my my Christian walk and spiritual journey and, you know, realized that, hey, I, I think he is calling me to do something more. You know, I had a pastor here in Indiana by the name of Rick Hillard, um, just a, a great, great guy, um, lives for the Lord. He's another outdoorsman, uh, travels all over the place hunting. He, he's in bear hunting. He goes up to Canada all the time. And, you know, so we sat down over some coffee and he was like, look, he was like, you know, it's not going to be an easy road. He was like, but all you can do is, is go through the door that the Lord's trying to push you through. And as you're going down that hallway, he said, you know, maybe a door is going to close, but another one will open. And so after that conversation, we I went ahead and uh, enrolled into Maranatha, Maranatha Baptist University out of uh, Wisconsin and started working towards my degree in biblical from that, entered into seminary, and people start asking, you know, are you going to preach? Are you going to preach? What are you going to do? And and I've always maintained that I don't know that it, it's going to be whatever the Lord calls me to do. And, and I put my trust and faith in Him that He'll show me. And that that wasn't real. You know, a lot of people weren't real comfortable with that. You know, the pastors at the church we were members of at the time were, you know, they expect you to say, yeah, I want to be in this pulpit and I want to do this. And it's like, no, I want to go where the Lord calls me. I'm not willing to say that this is what I'm going to do because that's my desire. That's my thought, not where he's going to be able to use me at. And so, you know, as I'm taking classes and then we, we decide to you know, start the business, it just kind of all all happened. And it's, you know, we we're trying to figure out how to come up with a name for the business. And, uh, you know, faith in the point bird dogs, I was out guiding a hunt for a couple different guys, um, two different times and dogs on a, on a hard point and they're, ah, oh, these dogs are crazy. Then there's no bird here. And about the time they step, both of them were standing right on top of the bird and bird busted up in front of them and flew off. And I'm dying of laughter back here. And, <laughs> you know, so I'm yeah. like, look, you guys, you've got to have faith in my dog and faith in their training. And then, you know, so we, wife and I started talking about business names and if we really wanted to do that, and I was like, look, you got to have faith in the point, faith in the point of life, faith in the point of all of this. And, you know, so we took it one step further and kind of our, our motto is, you know, faith in the dogs, faith in the training, and most importantly, faith in the good Lord above. And that's just kind of how we've attempted to, uh, you know, live each day and, and run the business. And that's just kind of, you know, where we're at as we kind of look and meet people and, you know, realize everybody's different. We've all got different needs and, you know, I may be able to say something to somebody that just clicks and it doesn't make sense to anybody else. But if it does to them, that's not me saying it. That's coming through the Lord and the Lord, you know, put it on my heart to say that to him in that way. And, you know, so just be thankful. And it's each day's a blessing because of that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting that you said all of that because one of the posts, you know, reviewing your Instagram account really caught my eye and it was the Genesis nine thirteen. I have set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. And your comment was, there are few things in life that can match the loyalty of a good bird dog, but even that pales in comparison to the loyalty and faithfulness of our Lord to us and his word. And I think what you just kind of opened up, you kind of summarized that whole thing of how you have faith in your in your, in your your pups and on all the training, knowing that they're pointing on that bird, but really it's that relationship and that faith and that foundation, you know, with, with, your, with the Lord and... Every one of us have different walks, and, and if we just put that little bit of trust in, in God, 
our lives are, are, are to the full. I mean, it's full of love and grace and opportunity, and it's amazing the opportunities that, that God will shine upon us if we just kind of give a little bit of the, our own little trust back to him because he's basically sitting there saying, I trust you and I love you and walk with me. And, and really, that's kind of what you just kind of open up to. So Yeah, and it, I'll be the first to tell you, you gentlemen know, it is hard. It is hard. There's still, you know, I try to tell myself every day, hey, just have faith, have faith, have faith. Dag on, man, it's scary. You're taking a leap of faith as we look at retiring. I was talking to my wife the other day, and it kind of just scared me. I'm, I'm 41 years old and have been in the military for 22 years at this point. It's like yep. over half of my life, I, I put this uniform on and done this. And to think that, hey, I'm stepping out into the unknown, and it, it, it's scary. And I can see why people, you know, end up staying in and you know continuing down the trail when they're not really happy and i see it all the time i see people that have gotten out and gotten back in because of that they're just they're scared of you know what could be but it's there's a level of of comfort of of already knowing the the expectation you already know what to what to expect when you're 18 and going into basic and getting yelled at and you're growing you don't know any better and um, our priorities change. You're thinking about financial security at, at 20 years old. You're not thinking about how your health care for the rest of your life is going to be paid. And uh, no one cares at 20 if you have TRICARE the rest of your life. Um, yep. But it sure is important when you get to that 20-year mark. And oh, yeah. being able to pay for your mortgage, being able to you know pay for college for kids or for your own school or any number of things, our priorities change. And just like that, our that spiritual walk change, and he sees that, and he's able to provide and give us guidance with prayer um, and trust he's going to lead us in a path. And like Mike said, and like you've said, when you have a closed door, that doesn't mean that he's telling you that you're going down the wrong path. Sometimes the greatest lessons learned are the hardest, and he gives you strength through trials and tribulations, and sometimes you got to, you know, bust down that door, and he's making you work hard for it to see if you are as committed as you are or to give you strength mentally and physically. It's 100% that, you know, I relate that back to the training of the pups, and, you know, we use the pressure from, you know, e-collars or, or um, you know, check cords and a half hitch on the belly and so forth, and, you know, we're – you know, it's all designed, it's pressure, and it may not be enjoyable at the moment, but it's designed to make them better. And it, I, I see time and time again, as I look back through my life, you know, military experiences and deployments and, and personal stuff at home is just, well, yeah, we, we've all been through some really, really tough situations, right? But when you step back and truly try to look at it from the lens of the Lord has a reason for everything, and there's there's always a blessing in it. You know, you can kind of start to look back and see, okay, hey, now now this makes sense. And, and it was tough then, but look where it's gotten me now. Um, you know, I, you know, 13, so August 26th is the anniversary. Uh, my mom passed away on 2009, in 2009, on August 26th. I was in Iraq when, it, when she passed. And then August 26th of last year, my baby brother passed away from a brain tumor. And so here I am, I'm a young kid, you know, young kid, uh, upper twenties, mama passes away. You know, it's the worst thing in the world, right? I'm, I'm a mama's boy. That, that's my, that's my girl, right? And I, I fly home and, and go through this. And it's just, I spent a lot of time mad at the Lord 
over that. I, I truly did. Um, it happened. I hadn't been in, in Iraq two days, honestly, when I got the call, I flew back home, was back there for 30 days for the uh, services and try to help my dad get, get the affairs straight because um, she handled all the bills, all of everything and went back to Iraq. And it was just, I was mad. I didn't want anything to do with the Lord. I, I strayed away from him and just angry, hurt. And, you know, come Easter that year, I happened to be walking past the, the chaplain had set up a, a chapel and we were on a small cop way out in the middle of, of nowhere near the uh, Iranian border. And um, heard singing from the little plywood chapel that the chaplain had, had built. And, on my way in there and I sat in the back chair in the back corner of the room crying like a baby the entire time. You know, after that, I came back to the Lord. He pulled me back in and, you know, it, you know, look, okay, that was tough and it was terrible. So fast forward several years and uh, my daughter, she's eight now, um, but when she was, had just turned four, um, December of that year, her birthday was on December 3rd. Her mom and her were in a car wreck and her mom passed away just a few days after her birthday. And, you know, I look back and as tragic as that was, right? And Lord was with my daughter, the, the car, the way it flipped, the, the only part of it, the top of the car that wasn't crushed in was that right there around my daughter's car seat. And, you know, when the, the emergency services got to her, the car was upside down. And my daughter was, you know, still hanging there. The only thing was a little, you know, rash from the, the car seat strap on her on her shoulder collarbone area you know just tragic 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 situation but i think it wasn't until that point that i was truly able to look back at the loss of my own mom and say okay hey you know there's a blessing in that because yeah i miss my mom but the lord prepared me to be able to raise my daughter w without her mom and see her through that and help her you know, and there's a difference in a 20 year old dealing with that loss than, you know, a 40 year old, six or even eight year old now. But, you know, there's still a lot of that raw emotion and, and understanding that the Lord gave me through the loss of my own mom to be able to help her. And I truly believe that. I, I truly do. Um, and I think that it's important for each of us as we look back at, at our lives and we see these ups and downs and, you know, praise them in the good and the bad. And it's hard to do, but, but, that lesson will, will come in handy in life again. It, it, it's shown it to me time and time again. And, and I guarantee that each of us, if we take the time to sit down and truly reflect back, it'll be the same thing for, for each of us. Amen. Ugh, that's a lot to deal with. And um, <laughs> I'm sure all those hardships, you know, he is preparing you. He is putting that on strong shoulders because he knows he has someone that's able to, to handle that kind of stuff. A lot of people aren't, yep. but... A lot of people uh, question that faith, and it's funny how what you said in the beginning that no matter how hard you run or no matter how fast you run, there's no hiding. Um, he, he is no. going to find you as long as you open up that heart and open up your mind. And that chaplain was there at the right place at the right time because God put him there, and uh, those emotions come out. Um, I think all of us have been there. No matter how strong of a man you are, uh, if you haven't uh, opened up your mind and heart, you... Um, we're kidding ourselves if, if we haven't cried in joy or, or cried in, in peace and serenity and even in the hardships of being able to deal with that. But once you come to those realizations, there are grieving process, there are steps that you everybody goes through because we are human and they are just raw emotions. But when he pulls you back in and you realize that he's in charge and that he has a plan that we may or may not know of and we may not 
find out one day either, but he's ultimately in control and we give our faith to him and everything that we go through makes us better people. So I applaud you and I pray that you continue to, to leave the good, to live the good life and, uh, to shine that light upon others with, with the hardships you've experienced. And that's some of the stuff that you can relate to with other people. That's those different walks of life. You know, you got people coming into the military that are coming from broken, shattered homes. You got people coming in that are well off and, uh, haven't had to have any of the hardships growing up and they still want to be a soldier. They still want to be an airman. They still want to be a Marine, wherever branch of service they enlist in, um, hats off to them. But like you said, you got to treat each of them differently and you got to come at them differently. Some of them respond to different levels of training. Some of them respond to getting yelled and screamed at for that motivation. And, (laughs) you know, some of them like getting popped in the face and that, that flicks that switch on just like the dogs. Um, you know, I, they're not the same correlation, but it is that, you know, everybody's different. All of them respond differently. And you see that, you see that from a long military career and from training, training the dogs, training the, the pointers, um, our buddy that is a houndsman that we go hunting with quite a bit, you know, have faith in your dog, uh, law enforcement friends that are canine handlers, you know, search in the backyard, have that faith, just like we have the faith in God you got to trust in that training. Otherwise, you're yeah. constantly guess, second-guessing yourself. Then what's it all for? If you don't believe that what the dog is doing is correct, um, are they going to make mistakes and you read their subtle, you know, positions or their ears or their tail or, you know, the nonverbal cues that they're giving off? Yes, but you got to trust them too. And our buddy, um, the houndsman, like I said, when he's second-guessing himself – he, he throws it back out there. I got to trust the dogs. And then, you know, if it means walking a half mile off a trail to see where the dogs last were and we couldn't find a print anywhere for a lion track or for a bear track, you're like, okay, this is where the dogs really struck it up. And bam, there it is. There's a five-inch, you know, fresh bear print. Or the police canines that are, you know, searching backyards and – um the dog's like, hey, it's in this shed. And you're like, no, we already cleared the shed. <laughs> and they keep going by it, and the dog keeps going back to that shed and give it another once over. And then, you know, there's the suspect hiding in the shed. Like, all of it reassures that the training works and the dog's nose doesn't lie. And that dog, your dogs, you know, are pointing. They know that bird's there, and we're second-guessing them because – we think we know better, but trust in the dogs and trust in the Lord. That's 100% correct. And that's so in our actual full logo, um, you know, I put a reference to Hebrews 11, one in there because it's, you know, that faith being sure of, you know, what we hope for and certain what we do not see. And, you know, it, for us, it's so easy to be, you know, certain of the things that are right there in front of us. So for me, when I'm, I've got working the dog, be it, on a uh, on the table in the yard or out in the field, there, very seldom is there a time that I don't have a drone up or I don't have a camera set up or something video. And yeah, it gives me a lot of footage and photos for social media and this kind of stuff. But the true purpose behind that is I go back and I, every night I sit down and kind of debrief myself on what we did with each dog that day. And I go back and I, I watch those things frame by frame in some instances to watch their little physical cues and 
you know, there have been times I've realized that, hey, you know, I've got to, to alter this approach or I've got to do this a little different because they're not picking up on it. But it helps me to read the dogs better. Um, but you get so so focused on that and, and dependent on that that I have myself at times been been in the field, you know, actually hunting or guiding and dogs out of sight. And I'm over here thinking they're just messing around or whatnot. And here I'm calling them and they're not wanting to come to me. And I, you know, check their where they're at in the GPS and go and they're locked up solid on a point. But, you know, I'm so, like you just said, so focused on what, you know, what we see and, and we know better, you know, as opposed to just trusting in the dog and, you know, believing that, Hey, they, they know what's going on. They can, can see things and smell things that we can't. And just having that trust in that, just like, you know, I mean, I'd be able to see the Lord around us all the time or see him working directly in front of us but he's working somewhere around us and he's already got things lined lined out and uh you know laid out for us to to go we've just got to trust and, and take that blind step like mikey has uh has been a minting or a hunting mentor and a a spiritual uh mentor for me and uh it, it is a struggle um i remind myself all the time on i am definitely far from perfect and I make tons of errors, and I still, you know, critical of others, and I need to self-reflect on myself a lot of times. But um, Mike, Mike is first to remind me, um, you know, just take a step back and look at the picture, slow down, and um, you know, reassess. And it, yeah. it's helped me in in my journey, and uh, you know, hunting as I progressed in that over the years. You know, you just kind of learn through osmosis, too, of being, you know, like like we said, you just surround yourself with good people, and that that makes you um, a better person. You're, you're learning through them. You're seeing through them, and they're letting their light shine through. Just like, um, you know, when you have a puppy, you're going to put them with a more experienced dog, and no mm -hmm. matter how much training you do, they, being a pack animal and, and – whatnot they're going to learn from that alpha dog they're going to learn from you know their, the adult or their parent or whatever and uh, and that they learn a few extra little things that we can't teach them and it's it, like you said it's all about that faith having the faith in, in everything and it's a perfect name for your company no and you're, you brought up a really great point about the the you know, groups that you, you're with. And, you know, I always have always sought to, to find people that I can, you know, that are more knowledgeable, more experienced, more everything. And I, I learn from everybody around me and it may be learn what not to do, but I'm learning from everyone. But I, I think it's very important. And I think that's one of the things that I love about the Christian Hunters of America organization is it, it's, it's that it's a, you know, a group that kind of encourages each other in their spiritual walk, as well as the, the hunting aspect and the outdoors aspect and be able, being able to learn in all of that. Um, it, it's it's really important. And, and I think, too, you touched on the, a, a good thing. Good golly. I, every day, you know, I struggle with, you know, be it temper, be it whatever. Right. But I, I say there's there's two things that well, three things are really going to keep you humble. And I have to go back to them every day. The good Lord, my wife, and those pups, because <laughs> these daggone dogs, 
they can do it right a hundred times, but I put the camera on it to, to try to get a good video where if a client comes out, the owner comes out to pick up the dog and I've been bragging on it. As soon as that client gets out of, out of the car, the daggone dog's going to act crazy. Right. right. And, <laughs> but we do this, we do the same thing as a, dogs make a liar of us all the time. But as a Christian, I feel the Lord hourly it, it, every couple minutes, I'm doing something wrong that I know. And, you know, I'm just, so thankful that you know he forgives us for that and and he sacrificed his life for us for those sins and knowing that no matter what i do he's still there and he still loves us and accepts us he, we might not make him very happy in, in terms of because he, he doesn't like sin he doesn't take joy or pleasure from that but you know it looks like the story of the prodigal son you can go off and, and and you know do these crazy things but you know he's going to rejoice for that one individual coming back to him and and that's you know it's such an encouraging and reassuring feeling and i think that too that's that's another part of that community of having individuals to encourage you that way and remind you of that because it's easy to get down on ourselves and it's easy to to get upset and you know the scripture tells us sin will pull us away from the lord we, we've done something we know we shouldn't do and you know then our prayer life becomes hindered our family life becomes hindered you know and, and it's just satan and, and sin trying to pull us from the lord but as long as we've got those those points of strength around us to kind of pull us back into shore it, it's we're going to be okay and we just need to rely on that and reach out to that and not be afraid to have those real conversations of hey you messed up yeah that it that wasn't right but you know lord loves you he forgives you you know let's not do it again but you know he's there for us and you know just that that brotherly encouragement of pulling each other along because none of us are perfect none of us ever will be absolutely and i think that's a great parallel so i'm thinking about i have a half german short hair and a half king corso pup about a year and a half old and and you made a great parallel because how you brag them, you know, on these dogs and the owners come up and that dog comes out spaz and excited and running around and happy and just wanting to basically party. I think about my dog and I finally get it trained. It does everything I want in the backyard and I have people come over and it's like the most craziest dog won't listen, runs around. It's almost like the exact same thing as us. You know, when we're kind of in our own little thing, we're, we're good. And all of a sudden we get around certain individuals or people or ha- have a good time and we're a completely different person. Then we got to get kind of reeled back in. And <laughs> it's almost like the exact same thing. You know, it's, it's like, it's crazy, isn't it? It, it, it is. And I, I try to ex- express that. It teaches that same thing to having children is great because it forces you to kind of, you know, you, you got to be a man of your word. And I don't like to be, and, and try not to be one of those do as I say, not as I do kind of people, but it's, you know, as we try to teach them that, hey, your values and your morals, you should act in public the same way you do in your home, right? You should, you know, if you're going to act and, and be, you know, put forth this this Christian and this this Jesus-loving persona, and, and you're the sweet little girl that, you know, all-American little girl that everybody views you as, that should come back into the house. And you don't come home and kick your shoes off and, you know, start living wild and exotic. You, you know, that you... <laughs> <laughs> you, you, that that should be maintained. Yes, you're going to be different in your own home and around your your family or closer friends than you are around strangers. But as a general rule, yep. right? You, yep. you you need to walk the walk. Yep, you know? absolutely. I, you know, I, I I think about my pup that whole way. And when you said that, I was like, oh my gosh, that is like so true in so many ways. You know, yeah, she you know, minds Mike true. when 
when I'm not around. And then as soon as I come over to his place, then she's acting a fool and jumping around and, and I'm, yep. I'm encouraging it and horse playing with her. Cause she's a big dog. Yep. It's true. It's a great, <laughs> great analogy. You know, I don't know how you deal with, you know, train the dogs and have their owner. I mean, that's gotta be just so frustrating, especially when you see it and all of a sudden they see their, their dad, you know, come walking in almost like, you know, we get excited and that dog just like on a whole new world, you know, cause it knows that that's its owner, you know, and you know, it's crazy. I, I oh, bet yeah. you have some great stories when it comes to that for sure. Oh man, I, I tell you what, even with our own. So the number of times I'm sitting at work and I get a text message and a video or a photo from Beth, my, my wife's name is Beth, from <laughs> Beth fussing about my, my boy Rocky. So when we kept a, the male and the female out of this last litter, you know, the male, we were keeping a female and there's something about this little male just, just talked to me and I was like, babe, can, we need to keep him. I, I, this, this is my boy, right? So we ended up with both of them. And, uh, Rocky is a, a little superstar, but uh, she'll send me these messages and videos. I, I guess anytime I'm not around, he just barks and whines and howls and cries just nonstop. So <laughs> she'll send me photos. She, she's done banished him to the kennel building or put yep. him in a crate in the garage. And But I come home and he's a perfect little angel. And yep, <laughs> exactly. I come home with my dog. <laughs> quit, quit trying to put this on him. But, it, you know, in terms of that too, it, I think that's, again, you know, we can relate back to the company we, we keep in so many different ways. But, you know, when it comes to the dogs, right, I've, I've got to a point now where I see, you know, I'll train a dog and then they'll bring it back to me to touch it up before a season or, you know, before a test or what have you. Um, you know, and I can get a dog in and a dog will be steady through shot and retrieve on command. But, you know, when they go home, they, they lack that consistency right because they go back home and they're in their their own their normal routines and stuff and um you know so the dogs come back you know a month two months six months later and it's i'm having to kind of start back in day one to retrain this thing and these dogs see a bird and they want to break and chase it and it's like well no come on now but that's one of the biggest reasons we don't um i don't take on general obedience training and we get a ton of calls and messages about that is you know one i don't i can have a dog be perfectly mannered in our home and you know we don't allow the dogs on the furniture and all this kind of stuff and just be good as gold but you know i don't want to, to do that and then that dog go back home and next thing you know it's surfing counters and it's on the the sofas and doing whatever and yep. you know somebody saying well i spent all this money to get this dog trained by you know faith in the point bird dogs and this dog doesn't listen well, it, no, that it's, you know, it comes down to that consistency and that, you know, that structure. And, you know, so as we go out into the world and we surround ourselves with people who, you know, say it's okay to do X, Y, or Z, but, but you know, our, our upbringing, our faith tells us it's not, it, you know, it's easy to fall into that. And then you kind of come back to, to the Lord and you're having to, to relearn things and kind of put, um, you know, things aside that you had grown accustomed to or whatever the case may have been. But yeah, see, I've got one here now. Love, love the pup to death. Um, started in, he had never been on a bird before. Um, one of the most stylish dogs I've ever worked with. I've always said when he gets old enough to breed it, I'll, I'll be buying a dog, one of these pups. Um, but you know, the dog's super steady, just a, just a solid, solid pup. And they've got chickens and, 
so dog chases chickens all the time. So they brought him back out here. He's actually here now. Um, last week, I'm going to touch him up, and then I'm actually going to handle him in a uh, hunt test that's going on here at in, uh, Indiana at the end of the month. And, uh, you know, so it's we're back to a check cord around the belly and a belly collar. I had him on the woe table yesterday trying to, to – to remind them, hey, you know, we're not chasing birds anymore. We're going to stand there and point. We're going to be steady. So uh, it, it definitely is a, a, a struggle at times. Can you walk us through, now that we're um, kind of segueing into that, can you walk us through into the steps that you go through from pup to a two-year-old when you feel confident that, hey, they either got it or they don't? At what point, you know, I'm I'm just guessing the – 18 month to two year old mark, you kind of know whether they have it or not. Can you walk us through those steps? Yes, sir. Yeah. Usually we, we know it a lot sooner than that. Um, we wait until that 24 month mark for the breeding aspect for us. Um, because you can't get, we do all the health testing for all the pups, all the, the chick certified, um, you know, chick recommended through the GSPCA, um, health tests or whatnot, the x-rays for the hips, elbows, get some blood work done, um, get their eyes and their heart tested. Well, some of those you can't get them done, especially with the, the hips and the, uh, the eyes or the heart. Can't get it done until that 24-month mark because that's when the, the pup is fully developed structurally. Um, but, you know, you can, you can see it a lot sooner than that as far as what they're going to have and what they're not. Um, you know, I fully believe that it takes a lot of birds to make a bird dog. And so from early on, when we have a litter, we, we put birds in front of them and just kind of let them, you know, see them, chase them around a little bit, um, you know, kind of play with them because they're, they're fearful at first, but just helping them get, build that courage up around them, that confidence around these birds. Um, what kind of then, birds do you use for that? So usually I use quail. Um, okay. Here at the house, we, we keep, um, yeah, any given time, a couple hundred, 250 quail. I've got a whole flock of pigeons that I use for various phases of the training, typically the front and the back end. Um, and then I keep a couple pheasants for when we start working the uh, nav to tracking aspect of things. Um, and so usually I put a, a quail out, take the puffs out in the yard, put a quail under a kit cage, um, what have you, so they can't chew on it too much. Or, you know, I'll pull some flight feathers from it and put a, you know, string around the quail leg so it can run around and, you know, not get away from it. But the pups can kind of chase it, um, let them put their mouths on it a little bit. Um, but I don't allow dogs to chase that much um, for very long, right? After that first introduction, what I've found, and, you know, you're going to talk to 100 trainers and or people who train dogs, and they're going to have 100 different methods and beliefs. And, again, it goes back to individual pups, right? But as a general rule, what I found is that the less that I let a dog chase a bird in the beginning is less that I have to train back out of them later when it comes to steadiness. Um, so what I'll do is once that they, they found, Hey, these birds are cool. And you know, th there's that natural instinct in that's going to kick in. Um, then I won't let them chase them anymore. And then I'll start, I'll plant them in a field. Um, I'll do all of the field work initially with just put a check cord and a half hitch around their, their belly and just kind of lead them around. And once they find the bird and they, they show an initial point, I'll, you know, pull the, the cord taut and I won't let them rush in on it and then uh, make sure that they're smelling it. And I'll, I'll kind of work around them in front of them. So they get used to that movement around them 
and don't feel that they're needing to to race me into the bird. Um, get down, I'll, I'll style them up a little bit. Um, just comfortable with me touching them, trying to get their tails up in a, a, a good high position. Um, and then I'll, I'll flush the bird and, you know, they'll try to jump and, and try to chase or whatnot, but I'll hold them there until they calm down. And then I'll, I'll give them a, my release command. I, I use whistles for a lot of the stuff, uh, but I'll give them a, an okay or a whistle command to release and I'll let them go. And then I'll chase. Um, and then the same thing. So when, once I start that transitions into the gun breaking process. So once their attention is on that bird and I've, I've told them it's okay to go after it, then, um, as I let them go and they get a little way, I'll start with an acorn blank, you know, back behind my back and fire went off and, you know, kind of that first one is always, always vital. I always have two or three cameras out there so I can watch and see exactly how they reacted the first time I fired that blank around them. And, you know, assuming things go well, then I'll, you know, bring it in closer. I'll fire it, you know, sooner, right? So they're not as far away from me. And then I'll pull it out from behind my back. Um, and then it becomes a thing. Once they're used to that blank noise and not showing any, any reaction to it, I will hold them tight, hold them steady, and then flush the bird. I'll fire the blank, make them, you know, continue to stand there and hold steady. And then I'll give them the release command and let them go. And so what it, it you know, and I've been blessed that next 10 dogs I bring in here will be something completely different. Um, but every dog that I have done that with, I've been able to get them steady all the way through shot and then retrieve on command, um, you know, five or six months of age, depending on how soon I started them. Um, I've got one in here right now that she's been here for 24 days now, I think it is. And she had never been around a bird. And she is to that that point now. Um, I sent one home. I had her for exactly 30 days and the same result. So I, I think there's a lot to be said for it. But, you know, if you've got a dog that doesn't have a high prey drive, then, yeah, you may need to, to let them do a little chase to get that excitement up. Um, and then if that's the case, then, hey, you just have to shift your training plan and, and train the steadiness back into them later, um, which is fine. It just it, it takes a little longer to do it if that makes sense. Um, so, you know, and with that as well, um, as I'm doing that and I'm holding, keeping that pressure from the check cord on, on their belly and holding them still, I'm giving the whoa command, just the whoa, whoa, whoa. They don't know what it is yet, but over time it, it, it does develop that. And so when I transfer over into actual formal whoa training, um, I'm a big fan of the plank collar, um, you know, collar around the belly. It, it, it makes it a lot faster, a lot smoother, a lot easier on the pup. They're used to the pressure around the belly. They've heard the word whoa. They know that, hey, if, if they said whoa, that they shouldn't move until I give them a whistle or, you know, tell them okay and then let them go, um, you know, and then kind of, uh, you know, transition into the whoa from that. Um, and that's kind of where we're at. And it, depending on, you know, when we're trying to select what dogs we want to, you know, potentially breed later and, and so forth, we're that whole process. We're looking at demeanor around other pups here in the house, around kids uh, in the field, that boldness, what they're going to do, um, you know, how will they respond to the training. And then um, also too, we're looking at, at structure, you know, what are the things that we want to carry forward and, and what are the things that, that we don't want to continue? Because it, it is for us, uh, because we love the short hairs, it's about continuing to, 
to improve that breed and solidify, you know, a good structurally sound and healthy dog. Um, you know, we believe in the genetics testing because of that as well. So we'll have the DNA panels run um, to kind of come back and tell us what, you know, genetic markers they may or may not have. And that kind of gives us a level of, of you know, confidence and, you know, the, the fact that something won't pop up later, some disease or, you know, genetic deformity or issue. Um, and then, you know, if it's a solid pup and if they've done well in the field, they've got a good personality about them, their health tests come back okay, then we'll, we'll start looking, okay, hey, you know, this one, you know, we'll, we want to breed it with this kind of dog because we want to bring some size back out of her or we want to pair it with this dog because they have this trait or this characteristic. Um, and when I say that, I don't, we don't deal with color. I get a lot of people that call looking for paint jobs on dogs and, and I get it. We're all partial to, you know, a black or a roan or a, you know, patched and ticked. We've all got our, our, you know, aesthetics that we look for and like, but for us, that's not going to be the determining factor on what we're going to breed and what we're not. It's that structure. It's that drive. It's that ability in the field that we, we look to kind of replicate and improve on as we move forward. Do you have any um, insight the difference between the wire haired and a, and a regular smooth coat German short hair? Are they, I've heard that the wire hairs are a little bit more excitable and a little bit more headstrong. Is that true or is that just dependent on uh, who's raised it or, or the breed? I think it's a little both. I have the ones I have been around and, and worked around, you do see a difference. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're very similar, but, I, you know, they have seemed to be knuckleheads. But again, I, I always say, you know, there, there's no bad dogs. There's just bad trainers. <laughs> and I'm, I'm one right. of them, right? I put some bad habits into some dogs, I guess, along the time, along the way. And, um, it, you know, so I, I don't think that there's necessarily a huge difference in. I, I think that a dog can, you know, can learn. You can settle them in. But, you know, there are those hard-headed dogs and, and you know, kind of more difficult breeds at times when it comes to to trying to get them to learn or, or settle down and actually focus on what you, you're trying to teach them. Um, but I got a lot of friends out there who uh, shout fear the beard and they're all about their, uh, <laughs> their wire hairs. And, uh, Everybody loves a good mustache. That, that's it. That's it. That's true. Is there like an age bracket for dogs where – they can't be trainable, or is there a, a core that you look for, or is a dog when it hurts, let's say, three to five or whatever, and if they've never been trained, is, is there like a, a stopping point where basically you've got to start with a new pup or something like that? So how do you determine like that age bracket? I think I'm kind of open to I'll have somebody bring if they call me. I've got an eight-year-old dog in here right now um, that had some hunting experience early in its life and then took a considerable break off due to some health issues with the owner and um, owner had messed up and got frustrated in the field. Uh, one of the last times they hunted several years ago and uh, overused the e-collar the e on the dog. And so the dog was real shy about it. Um, and I told him I'd bring it out and let's take a look at it. And, and again, I, I put it back to that individual dog and what it is, I, I tell them that, you know, a young pup is easier because they're, they're young and they're, they're learning constantly. Um, an older dog, they, they do, they get set in their ways, but they, dogs are smart. They're adaptable. They can be taught. 
Um, but it's probably going to take it take a little longer to be able to you know kind of break a bad habit and put a new one into them. Um, it, it just it really boils down to that time, the exposure with their you know home life, their training, their experience has been prior to that. Um, I say all the time that you know I'd much rather work with a, a new a brand new pup that doesn't have fingerprints on it than you know a dog that's you know been trained in a you know unstructured way or even unhealthy I've, I've got a dog here now that uh the owner uh spent about six grand and three months of training into this dog and the dog came back gun shy and scared of birds every time a bird would flush that dog would just cower and try to run the other way and trying to you know work that confidence back into that pup she's been here since may and uh i got her first point out of her uh, about a, uh, probably about two weeks ago now. And so trying to build off of that. So, you know, it's just that, I guess, short answer is, I personally don't feel that the age is, is a huge issue, just depending on the individual dog, if that makes sense. Um, you know, which is kind of related back to the Lord. It's kind of good because, yep. you know, there are a whole lot of people that have been pretty old in their life before they've come to, uh, to put their trust in, in Jesus and, you know, it's good that he still accepts it, accepts this and, you know, is willing to, to work with this and continue to train us even at later stages in life. And that's kind of how I philosophy I try to take, you know, take about it. That makes sense. Exactly. hundred percent, because it's harder for us older guys to, you know, admit our faults and uh, change our ways. Mm-hmm. You know, when we're younger, sometimes if we get a good mentor and some of this kind of guidance, you know, it's a little easier to follow, but Man, it's hard when we got a whole bunch of baggage and a lot of history and not wanting to change, you know, our normal ways, you know. And I think that's why God is God and, you know, he's always knocking. You know, he's just waiting for that right tune opportunity to say, you know, come seek me, you know, and I'll, I'll protect you and guide you and show you my path. That's 100%. I, I say all the time that, you know, one of the worst things in the Army, and, and I, I think it really resonates through life, is, well, that's how we've always done it. Well, maybe it is, but just because you've always done it that way doesn't mean it was the right way or doesn't mean that it was the safest, most efficient way to to do this thing. Um, you know, and I think... <laughs> I couldn't agree with more with dogs that. Or, <laughs> work with old dogs or old people, it's the same thing, right? We've got to get out of our head of this is the way that we've always done it or, you know, we know best and kind of, you know, learn from others around us or, you know, learn from Scripture. I, heck, I've you can read a verse 10 times and... and apply it 10 different ways to your life each time. And it's just uh, being willing to to look at it from a different angle of perspective and realize that, you know, nobody's above. The day we stop learning and the day we stop growing should be the day that they're laying us in the ground. I I truly believe that. Exactly. For sure. I'm 100% with you on that one, for sure. No one's perfect and no one's too old to continue to to learn from others and someone that's... 40, 50, 60 years old can still learn something, you know, from a new, from a youngster or from a, a younger person, <laughs> excuse me, and um, and vice versa. I totally agree with that. And I'm sure maybe some, that eight-year-old dog may learn a new trick from, from a one-year-old pup. Who knows, right? Yeah, and I have. I've paired them up. I've run them together. And, you know, they're, he's come a long way. He's been here right out a week, and I've got, on the clock, I've got about five more days, and then he's getting in the truck to head up north of Michigan to chase some grouse. So nice, <laughs> nice. I'm, uh, 
Yeah. Uh. <laughs> on the clock, he can find a bird and he'll point it. But uh, it's trying to bring that, get that steadiness back into him is the is the trick right now. So the fall is yeah. when those birds are are the huntable time. Correct. I've never been up. There. Yeah. Okay, that upper Midwest with all the I don't know even know what what species of grouse is up there. Yeah, they got rough grouse. I haven't honestly. I don't chase them much. It's I prefer to to be out in the field and be able to watch the dogs work, not the dogs disappear and <laughs> I can't see them through the through the trees and the leaves. Right. Um, it, it was it was pretty interesting through the business that we, I've been able to meet some just really amazing people with really really awesome stories so Memphis filming he reached out to me we were kind of liking each other's stuff back and forth and commenting randomly um on instagram and, and facebook or whatnot and uh so finally reached out and he was on a, a hunting trip last year kind of through here and he was wanting to do bird um some you know upland hunting and come to find out he is the the digital editor for gun dog magazine and waterfowl magazine and I, he's just a good good christian man wow and so invited him out and he came out here he stayed at the house for a few days with us and took him out and um indiana does a, a pretty good um the state runs a put and take um the week before and after thanksgiving every year and they'll take you know however many birds that's zoned off to you know certain number of hunters per zone and they'll take you know however many birds that we're going to put in that zone and out in the middle and they'll let them and the birds will fly where they may um so it's not, you know, planted birds and it's, it's actually pretty hard hunting at times if you're going to find one or not, especially if you're out there, you know, in the first couple of days. Um, so Chris came out and it took him out and, you know, he's out there working and he was like, you know, I grew up in the, in the Northeast. He said, all I did was grouse hunt and I could never see a dog work. He said, but this is, this is cool. And he was like, I can actually see these dogs work and how beautiful they are as they're, they're chasing it, the, you know, work in the field or whatnot. And, so it was just neat to see that side of it that, you know, even, you know, him who holds that position and he sees all this stuff, you know, coming through the magazine and, and editing stuff, but to have not actually personally been out there and been able to hunt a dog where he can actually see it work and whatnot. And it's kind of, kind of neat, the different experiences, the knowledge bases that are out there and the things that, you know, I may take for granted as I, as I chase birds, you know, out in the field that, you know, somebody else you might have no idea about and so that's i think one of the, the things too i enjoy about you know posting on social media and the interactions i get to have is is telling people about the way that i go about things or the experiences or kind of what you know what upland hunting what short hairs are what working with dogs means and you know what the lord means to all of that and it's just kind of neat yep yeah with all the negativity in the news and national media and even in social media uh staying true to your word staying true to your faith and people don't realize how much of a full-time job it is in addition to whatever you're doing and for a career to make money us as a passion of doing the the podcast or uh mike doing the facebook and not me doing the instagram and you doing everything for your company i mean it's a almost a full-time job keeping up with that social media content to keep people engaged but you know we're we're volunteers or it's just a social um social media is the way to to reach out and if we want more people exposed mm -hmm. to to your you know your ministry or to your preaching or to your to your words of guidance 
you you kind of have to nowadays and it's like you know someone in their 50s and 60s that doesn't necessarily internet savvy or or even older um and they don't like social media we get it um every generation has has their ups and downs when it comes to different technology but we do just like the dogs you got to adapt and overcome and you got to find a way to reach out and if it means having that social media you're you're trying to work a dog you got a belly band you're you're putting the the bird out there and flying a drone at the same time there's a ton of stuff going on just to get that picture and that video and no one really realizes all the all the back end stuff that you're you're doing or self filming a hunt to to put on you know growing youtube or or anything like that but um yeah. he, he gives us the strength and he gives us a will and um with your you know perseverance we'll find a way right it, that's exactly it it's a, a non-stop thing and sometimes i feel, <laughs> feel like i spend more time because you know of what the business is and what we stand for i spend more time moderating and deleting inappropriate comments from stuff than i do anything else because i don't true. i don't want that stuff out there right exactly. it's, yeah, exactly. it's sad that it has to be that way but you know and as the following grows i mean we've been incredibly blessed and here over the last you know, several weeks, we've just seen a, a following base that has just jumped up. I, I think we'll probably hit 50,000 followers wow. on Instagram here Crazy. coming up wow. um, within the next couple of days. And, you know, which is great. It's cool, right? But the way that I honestly look at this and, and I try to stay humble and, and everything else is, hey, that's 50,000 people that when I post this devotional that I've, I've got planned out in my head this evening, that's 50,000 people that are potentially going to see that and read that. And exactly. hey, that's, that's, that's up to the Lord, you know, and he's going to, he's going to do with that what he, what he can, but you know, he's, he's given me that base to, to be able to put that out and, you know, I pray it continues to grow and it's, you know, I pray daily and, and, you know, nothing we do. I never want it to be for our own fame or glory or anything else. I want it to be for him. And, you know, it's that constant, we're human, right? Yeah. So, you know, we, we're always going to fight that, right? As much as I hate to admit it or, or don't like to, yeah, it'd be real easy to get wrapped up in that. But it's, it's you know, trying to stay grounded. Um, so in, in 2013, and I, I say this because it was a, a huge missed opportunity for me when it comes to my faith. I truly believe this. Um, so in 2013, I had been, um, or years leading up to that, I was a drill sergeant and I was, you know, working with privates and basic training. Then I was selected to go to the drill sergeant academy. So I was training NCOs to be drill sergeants and did that for a year. And then I competed in the drill sergeant of the year competition for the army. Incredible. And so there's a series of levels of competition. As you go up, um, you finally are pitted against the, the five best drill sergeant. Each installation has named their top drill sergeant. And you go and you compete to be the, the best drill sergeant in the army. Right. So I won that in 2013 wow. and you wow. know, it's not to, you know, beat my chest or anything else, but that whole year, that the year that you're, you're drill sergeant of the year of the army, you are the number one drill sergeant in the army. They PCS me to the, the training and doctor command headquarters. And I worked directly for the, the initial military training CG and sergeant major. And that year I spent on tour. Right. I, I was gone three, two, three weeks a month 
just I'd fly here, I'd go talk to these people, I'd go do an interview, I made some TV commercials and this and that. And I looked at the, the base that I had to, to speak then and not having the maturity and my and and confidence in my my Christian faith then that I do now. I, I look at man, how many people could I have reached out to and and spread the 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 word of the Lord to as I'm traveling around and and seeing and meeting all of these people, um, you know. So it is. It, it's you. You've got to stay humble and realize that every interaction that you have, be it social media, you know, an actual post, a response, a message, uh, you know, in the street, you know, or you know, pick your your favorite store, going in to buy dog food. You know, every every person you meet is an opportunity to to, to share your your love of the Lord and what He's done for you and. Um, you know, and love the, the the outdoors as well. So, you know, try to be a good steward on, on both accounts of that and, you know, try to make sure that, you know, things that we do or say or post aren't being misconceived or misconstrued or, or twisted in a way to, to, you know, pull the light away from the Lord and put it onto something else, if that makes sense. Exactly. And I would say that you, you did not miss the boat on that. I would say if you look back in, in history and to the present time and the future, you're going to find that where you're at today, there's a ton of individuals that you don't even remember that these people will know of you, they remember you, and at some point they're going to cross paths with your social media or run into you, and they're going to see God's glory through you, and they're going to see that parallel of what they witnessed as, as the sergeant that probably everybody looked up to to a man of grace and humility and making a difference in the lives of others through through his ministry. And I think sometimes we think that it's a missed boat, but we don't realize that all these other doors and opportunities have opened up that allows people to see a paradigm shift in, the, in their viewpoint that would actually bring them closer to God and to open up their hearts and minds. So I would, I would encourage you that to keep doing what you're doing because I am sure that there's a whole bunch of people from afar that you have no idea that you've impacted that are witnessing it and it could maybe that's part of your explosion Instagram is there's a whole bunch of army guys out there that that knew you and came across you and they're actually in awe and, and witness watching what you're doing on the other side of post-military you know I really really appreciate that that encouragement and it, it does actually kind of bring a, a real life story that happened um, in regard to that military service and an impact that I had not necessarily at that time in a Christian aspect, but now it is. So it did this commercial, it, it, it aired forever ago, but um, it was, you know, I'm yelling and I'm drill sergeant, I'm yelling and fussing at these privates and, or these soldiers um, and ask them what they're, what they're wanting to do with in the military. And the final guy says, I want to be a graphic artist. And it's like, oh, you would join the army to be a, the world's greatest army to be a graphic artist. And he was like, yes, drill sergeant. And so, uh, here he is, here we are several years down the road. And, you know, I'm a first sergeant now at this unit um, and we got a new commander back last December, this young guy, and he has a, a, a graphic design degree. And so we're sitting there talking and somebody, the chaplain that we had at the time used to always make fun of and, and play the, the commercial for everybody. He played it and uh, the commander and his wife just kind of looked at each other and, and uh, started whispering, and his wife was like, hey, first son, I got to tell you this. She was like, you're the reason he's sitting here right now. And I'm like, what are you talking about? So here, 
young cadet Haskell was going to college, Troy University as a graphic design major, joined the ROTC program and was the only non-criminal justice major in his, uh, in his class, in his year, commissioning year. And he was, I guess, feeling real bad about himself. Like, what, what am I gonna do with a graphic design uh, degree in the army as an officer? Or he was like, maybe I should change. And then he was like, then I saw this commercial and like this drill sergeant's yelling to this guy and said, no, that's a man with a plan, wanted to be a graphic artist. He said, so I stuck with it and I graduated. And I've got my graphic arts design now and, and you know, been in the army and I'm, I've, you know, started my own little business on the side, doing some stuff with it. But, you know, I'm a, a company commander and, here you are as my first arm and you were the guy that was yelling at that tv that i had no idea who it was that you know motivated me to continue on my path so i, I, I thought that was a neat story yeah absolutely. incredible the, uh, and since then like i said as our our relationship has developed it's it's good i mean we army pays us probably about an hour two hours every day he'll come in and sit on the sofa in my office and we'll we'll talk nothing but scripture and, and talk about you know applications to our personal or family lives and stuff and it's just been really good how you know i guess it it, it, it kind of does highlight what you said about maybe not necessarily having missed the boat um you know in the full capacity that i at times i, I feel that are worried that i did in terms of you know hey there are, are things that came of that, that that are good so yep no, that's good i think uh like you said earlier um he has us on a path he's ultimately in control and he put you in this time and place at this specific moment for <clears throat> for what you're doing and when you said you went back to uh seminary college and getting your degree in studying and you have other pastors and other clergy you know questioning when you're going to come up and preach and, and maybe God knows that, you know, right here at this time you're influencing and reaching tons of people with your daily devotion and on social media. And that may be the calling. Um, I'm not saying it is or it isn't, but just as a suggestion, you know, we all communicate differently. Um, we all, learn differently as we've said numerous times through our conversation and you know you got a lot of 18 year olds you got a lot of young young men and women that you know don't go to church or learn differently i i mean i hate to keep harping on that we all learn differently and uh i've, I've said it a thousand times during this conversation but people are you know on social media a lot and if they mm -hmm. get drawn to you because their dad took a bird hunting and they have those questions about faith or they're on that different spiritual walk and then they see that daily devotion and every every scripture resonates with people differently some people really listen you know to everything in the bible as we all should but i know i'm guilty of it that you know, certain scripture, certain things in Proverbs or certain things in Genesis, um, certain things in John resonate differently. And I think that yep. is with everybody. There are certain things in your life and there are certain things that um, we experience, whether it be job or family or friends or just relationships, that those things uh, jump out at you because they're relatable. And you posting all different things, you're following your passion and still being able to give back, this may be your calling, and you are still preaching. You're still being a pastor, and you're still getting across 
even more people than if you were in a church and a hundred people showed up, you're reaching tens of thousands. Yeah. And honestly, that is uh, along the lines of, as we've uh, continued to go down this road, kind of what I have, have come to accept and, and kind of feel that this is what he is, is guiding me towards is exactly that. Um, and I think you brought up a, a really good point in terms of being relatable, because that is, is something that um, I have struggled with, especially, you know, having been a young military guy and, you know, we live a rough life. It's, you know, we've done the partying, we've done the, the, the crazy things right out there living wild and exotic and the, you know, so here you are and you, you've, you've your life straight and you're, you're, working every day to be better as a man, a husband, a Christian. And, you know, so here we say, okay, hey, I'm, I'm entering into to Bible college and seminary. And then, you know, especially, you know, some of the older pastors, depending on what kind of background they have, then, you know, that's not okay. Like, you know, you've done these things. Well, yes, but the Lord accepts me and loves me. And, you know, I don't, it was wrong to do it. I admit that. Right. And I would tell anybody else, Hey, that's not the right thing to be doing, but how much better prepared am I to be able to help them through a situation or help them to stop, you know, going out and drinking or partying or whatever the case may be. Right. Absolutely. Cause and, you can relate you know, to them. coming across as a real person. Yep. I remember growing up, you know, I looked at, at pastors that we were around and, you know, just like they're perfect, right? I can't talk to them. They're, they're going to judge me. They're, they're, they're perfect. They don't do anything wrong, right? And I know that that's not the case, but that just kind of tends to be an idea that, that we get of, you know, these pastors that we see standing before us, you know, on, on Sundays and, and that are out there that, you know, they wouldn't understand. And, you know, I want people to be able to, to be able to approach me, you know, that, Hey, he's just a normal guy and he struggles daily and he's not perfect. And he, he's, he's working on himself every day, but you know, I can talk to him about the Lord and I can talk to him about these problems. And, you know, he's probably been through some himself or maybe he hasn't, but you know, just that, that approachable type thing, um, you know, air, I guess. And, you know, putting that out through the, social media and let them know, hey, you know, here's a bloopers reel of David messed up big time today. And this is what I did or what I didn't do or, you know, and just people can get a laugh out of it and say, okay, hey, you know, I've been there too. So, yep. you know, let's see what else he's talking about. Being humble and honest and uh, transparent. None of us are perfect. Yep. None of us ever will be. And we continue to grow through that. But just showing that other people is far more relatable and put their faith and trust into you um, in all aspects because because of the fact that you're you're honest and transparent and mm-hmm. you're not showing all the the perfectness or you're not showing everything that the dog does great or um, you know the, the best picture people do yeah. appreciate that everybody's flawed and that when we put out content that you missed a shot or you missed this or you made a mistake it's very relatable because you either haven't been in the woods or hunting long enough if you haven't missed a shot or made a bad shot. <laughs> and, 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 and that's, you know, making bad decisions, raise, you know, giving your kid wrong guidance or, um, you know, getting in an argument with somebody and you shouldn't have. It's, it's all relatable. 
<laughs> it 100 is that my i laugh because you missed that mentioned that about missing a shot beth was getting me down the road so last three days um it, so rewind 2008 i graduated from sniper school right so I, i'm pretty good behind a gun the last three days in this field i have missed more birds than i've probably missed in the last 10 years and uh that constantly sitting there back there laughing at me i'm like well i guess we're not going to be able to show the retrieve the handle on that shot <laughs> <laughs> love it that's that's kind of like we uh did a 3d shoot a few months back and check got his bow all set up and new arrows and i don't know how much he spent on brand new arrows and i think we got done with the course at the end of the weekend and he paid like I don't know, three arrows left out of a dozen, something like that. And he's looking down saying, oh, man, no. that's – so I, I can see it. But you put Chet behind the gun, he's like uh, you know, uh, kind of like that sniper, but it's funny. That's that's, that's the first thing I was thinking when you were saying that, you know. You know, Chet can be a great shot, and all of a sudden you, you have those days, you know. just That's me. You just got to look down and say, you know what? We call this a, a learning opportunity today. You know, we Absolutely. Call it, you know, <laughs> that is it. It's yeah. Some lessons are more expensive than others, though. Yep, yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, kind of like Dave Ramsey says, we call that stupid tax, right? We just do something. That we, it's just extra <laughs> yeah. tax that we got to pay, and we learn from it and move on. <laughs> stupid tax. I'm going to have to steal that one. Yep, stupid yeah. tax. <laughs> I know we're, we're getting short on time. We definitely want to have you back on a future episode, Dave. Um, we really, really appreciate all the words of wisdom, everything – uh, just sharing everything in your life story. And uh, I think it is very relatable. I think a lot of people are going to get um, a lot of insight and knowledge from this episode. It opens a lot of people's hearts and minds into why we do what we do, why we give back, and why he opens up our hearts and our minds in order to give back and uh, to do what we do. And yes, it is a passion. Yes, we love the outdoors, but we're bringing people closer. We're allowing them to see um, his generosity and his grace uh, through our ministry and through our mentored hunts and through your training and through your daily devotions. I think the world needs more. Um, as we know, Christianity is under attack, it seems like, from from every angle. Uh, we try not to get into the politics on any of our podcasts because there's enough negativity on, on the on the news, and you'd be blind to not be able to see it. But we really, really appreciate everything. Um, and then always, Mikey, please close us out in prayer. All right, Lord God, we just uh, we are just so thankful, Lord, for this day, Lord, that we had no idea that was going to be. We're talking really about um, just a couple of men, Lord, that just love you, Lord, that have the passion of hunting, and we love we love your creation, especially of the dog, and and Lord, we just uh, we thank you, Lord, that we today, Lord, in, in the United States, that we have the military, Lord, that protect us and and actually protects the whole world, Lord, that we <clears throat> we send our service people all over the world to protect the world, you know, for a common accord, Lord, and I just ask that you'd bless all of these different service people, Lord, no matter what branch they are, Lord, even if or even if they're in other militaries of other countries, Lord, that you would just meet them today, Lord, right where they're at, Lord, whatever their heart's desire is in their mind and, and where they're in their hurts and cries and pains, Lord, that you would continue to knock and open up those doors, Lord, and, and help them to come to see you, Lord. And, Lord, I just pray for this this ministry that you've opened up, Lord, that is, is truly about training and obedience, Lord, but in reality, Lord, it's not really for the dogs, Lord. It's it's a training and obedience of, of followers of being fishers of men, Lord, as you called as as disciples, Lord, as you know that you call all of us, Lord, if we put our faith in you, that we are disciples and, and we're out to 
to help your kingdom, Lord, for your glory, Lord. And I just ask that you would just bless Dave, Lord, as he trains all of these dogs, Lord, and all these different opportunities, Lord, that through you, that uh, your light would shine through him, through the dogs, Lord. And, and we know that once the impact is done, Lord, it'll be generational. And, and as he sends these dogs, Lord, I'm sure there'll be conversations from all of his customers, Lord, of who the trainer was and those interactions. And when they see the dog, that'll be the love that, of the grace and the, and the forgiveness of how this dog left one way and was transformed into a completely different animal and, uh, with the love specifically of pointing in obedience, but Lord, but that's really a reflection of you. And I just ask that you would just bless his ministry, bless his business, Lord, and bless his daughter and his wife and, and all he does in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.